The Third Men Podcast is a fan-made, not-for-profit, just-for-fun celebration of Jack White and is in no way directly affiliated with Third Man Records or the man himself. For the definitive history of Jack White and his music, please consult your local Jack White. And for everyone else looking for a home, you found one here, in a place so seedy. Enjoy! I see 12, I see 12, I see 12 over there. I see 12, I see 12, I see 12. I'll right bid $13. The same man is bidding now $13. He just upped his own bid, uh, 13 I, I would 13. like to bid $12 again. That gentleman over there has just reduced his bid. That makes no sense. He's going for 13 still going on $13. I will raise you for... He's cashed in all his chips there. He's cashed them all in. Sandwiches. I would like to raise my bid again to $11. He is back to 11 and He's still at 13 as far as I know. 13. Excuse me. Excuse me, auctioneer. Yeah, sir. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You see me. You're raising me. You're raising me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, how many uh, blades of grass do you believe that ostrich has eaten in his lifetime? Well, I'm seeing a one. I'm seeing a two. Uh, there's a three over there. There's a ten over there. There's a fourteen over there. There's a sixteen over there. There's a seventeen over there. There's a over there. You're telling me it's eaten seventeen blades of grass in its uh, lifetime. Sir, we deal in... lean. We deal in millions in this department, so you have so far bid thirteen million for <laughs> this one ostrich. <laughs> you there. Yes. I'm the auctioneer here. <laughs> I'll bid $15 million for that ostrich. This man's bid $15 million for this ostrich <laughs> and uh, sold for the ostrich. Can I ask what the ostrich's name was? Uh, his name in, its, in its life. I know it's deceased and stuffed currently, but uh, what was its name in life? It, and, and this is a trick question, because if its name was particularly amusing to me, I will bid more millions of dollars. His name was Bill Paxton. I would like to bid $40 million for this ostrich. I uh, see Bill Paxton going for $40 million. Excuse me, Mr. Auctioneer. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I will buy that mountain of death from you, please. 
gold to the man in the hat. <laughs> I swear, listener, dear, dear, sweet listeners, that this will make slightly more sense later <laughs> in the interview. Well, James, this has been another Smasheroo skit, and uh, I am Paul Kaminsky, and I'm your co-host of the Third Men Podcast, this Jack White History Podcast. Oh, oof, doof. Uh, this is James Kaminsky, your other co-host of the Third Men Podcast, Paul, and oh, do we have a doozy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had, so last week, James, we did uh, our part one of the Rob Jones interview, and uh, for those of you who don't know who Rob Jones is, James, would you like to tell that to the people? Rob Jones is an amazingly talented artist who is responsible for many a Jack White product, including show posters, record sleeves, 45s, promo items, T-shirts, etc., etc. The list goes on. He also happens to be uh, one of the premier art directors for one of the premier businesses, Mondo.com. Uh, so Indeed. Uh, if if you all want to check out some amazing artwork, you can go there, help Rob out. He also runs his own business, the Animal Rummy website, where you could purchase uh, prints and the like, uh, including some Jack White prints. And that was a wonderful summation, James. And I would say, as we mentioned last episode, Rob is probably the longest tenured uh, art contributor to Jack White's musical history, uh, working with him for over a decade now, uh, beginning, as we learned last week, prior to the um, Get Behind Me Satan era. And he's the only artist, I think, who's worked with all the different iterations of Jack White's career, right up until the very recent present. Like, he did the artwork for the Detroit plant opening and mm-hmm. uh, the record plant opening, and and that poster is really, really cool. Um, but yeah, it was, it was so nice to talk to Rob, and he was such a wonderful guest on the show. So this is the first time we've ever done an extended interview with a Third Man Records-related person over two episodes, James. It was so big. He talked to us for such a long time, we had to cover it over two episodes. Yes, and we were grateful for every second of it. In fact, I think we could have talked longer, but... I think we could have. <laughs> it, was a, it was a great interview, and Rob can come back anytime. Yes. Uh, And so, yeah, we're going to get to part two of that interview, and we're also going to talk more in this part of the interview about uh, the song that he co-wrote with Jack White, essentially, Machine Gun Silhouette. And uh, that story was, I think, my favorite of all the ones he told us, because I thought I knew all there was to know about that song, and boy, was I mistaken. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, Paul... (laughs) Yes, James... Before we get to all of that... James, is there something we should be smelling? Paul, there's something we should be smelling. It's, I think, a smell of fact. Oh. Astounding fact. The most astounding fact. The most astounding fact is the knowledge. Oh, James... Would you like to tell the people what I think a smell of fact is? I'd love to, Paul. I think a smell of fact is when we get some more information or uh, extra information about a topic that we had covered previously in our podcast. And instead of doing a whole new podcast about that topic or editing it and re-uploading it like most podcasts do when they get something wrong, uh, we... Yeah, we don't do that here. We have a strict factual inaccuracy (laughs) policy on this show. That's right. (laughs) Um, It keeps the listeners coming in so that they can get, yeah. Anyway. So they can come right out again. Yeah. uh, We, so instead of doing all of that, we 
put it right here in this neat little segment we like to call, I think, A Smell of Fact. Yes, James. And this week we have another one courtesy of our third woman in spirit every week, Callie Durga. And this was in response to episode 45, Covering the White Stripes, part one. Uh, well, volume one, really, where we talked about uh, the various uh, projects that have incorporated covering White Stripes material, focusing in on two projects in particular, one of which Callie has some very strong feelings about. That's correct, Paul. Do you know which one that is, James? That would be Rockin' Legends Tribute to Jack White. Yeah, she doesn't care for this one very much at all. And points out, though, uh, and, and this, was, uh, this was interesting, that uh, the White Stripes covers, while they're her least favorite tracks on that album, uh, that the project is kind of worth buying for the liner notes alone. And she asked if we had read them. Honest to God, before this, I did not. Did you, James? I did not, Paul. I only have these files digitally. Yeah. Well, she was asking who wrote those liner notes. It's actually a man named Dave Thompson. Hmm. And yeah, it's it's pretty cool. And as Callie says, uh, she says that he totally gets what Jack's about and kind of sums it all up beautifully. Uh, Dave Thompson, who is credited with literary contributions to over 100 albums, including legacy artists like Lou Reed, uh, Tales from the Damned by the Damned. Hmm. That's a, a Rob Jones-affiliated uh group there, or if if by no other means than fandom, right? Rob's mm-hmm. a big fan of the damned. There we go. We'll talk about, as we'll talk about later in the interview. The Man Machine by Kraftwerk. Huh? Lo- love me some Kraftwerk. I love their mac and cheese product. Oh. <laughs> I don't know what I, what I can go do with that. Uh, Cat Black by Mark Bolin. Uh, hey. We love Mark Bolin of T-Rex fame, to name but a few. I love his mac and, and cheese product. <laughs> I wonder if he puts cilantro in that or if he gets like a soapy taste. In it. Um, and then there's, uh, he actually has a vocal credit and it's for reciting an unofficial Kurt Cobain biography in a book on tape. Oh, wow. Uh, of which I, uh, I think I had a Britney Spears one in that series, James. I love her mac and cheese product. <laughs> anyway, um, Paul, that's interesting. I don't think it's Kelly's favorite album, but uh, it was interesting for her to point out that the liner notes are really, really cool. And so I'll just read a couple selections from those. Not the whole thing, because they're very, very long. But um, it starts with Striped or Solo, Rack and Tour, or Just Plain Rock and Roller. Jack White has cast an indelible shadow across the landscape in the years since he's first rose, seemingly fully formed from the urban sprawl of Detroit. Indelible and massively influential, not only on the artists who have followed in his footsteps, but on a host of performers from, quote, before his time, unquote, who sensed in White's instinctive grasp of old and new, classic and collateral, that here was an artist forged wholly in the fires of all things that made rock important in the first place. That's Mm. pretty good. White's music knows no limits, respects no boundaries, and that is the spirit that propels his collateral. I'm not sure. I feel like he respects boundaries, but... um, And that is the spirit that propels this collection, a gathering of names that reaches back to the very dawn of rock and roll era and beyond, all recognizing that White and his writing is that rarest thing of all, a talent for all the ages. And they sort of go down the list here of the different uh, groups that performed on it, and obviously we talked about some of those if people want to listen more on episode 45 of the podcast, but he ends with... Everybody involved in this collection, from the guy who wrote the songs to the dudes in the studio as the Giants filed through, all of them know what music should sound like, and they also know that great music is the sound that lasts forever. It's a rare performance, indeed, that you can listen to, convinced it will sound as pristine 
at the other end of any century you could name. But like the echoes that inspired him back in 70s Detroit, 80s, probably not the 70s because he was like between one and five there, (laughs) uh, that he drew in turn from the decades that were old before they were even older, Jack White whispers secrets that only ghosts and gallants can truly hear, and only those that know their own souls can sing. It's kind of very poetic and interesting, and I, I found that very, very cool to delve into, so thank you very much, Callie, for that. Yeah, I like that this guy compares Jack White's music, well, he compares modern music to creamed cheese. Uh, <laughs> that's That's very fun. He says it's creamy, cheesy, plastic-wrapped, and bland. But when you listen mm-hmm. to White in any of his guises and what he plays is so moving, it lets you know why you've hated everything else that you've heard this year and why you've hated cream cheese all your life. <laughs> he doesn't say that part. That's my own imp- interpretation. But Oh, I love cream cheese. He also calls Jack White a misfit and a madman, which I find to be a... Uh... Well, he says he's been called that, but let's be honest. When people say that, they're they're calling him that. Um, but anyway, I found that very interesting, and uh, thank you, Callie, for sharing that. And I, James, I think we just smelled this fact. Oh. When I reflect on that fact. James, before we move on to our uh, second half of this Rob Jones interview, which, by the way, I'm very excited for, James. I couldn't you? be more excited, Paul. Are you really? Because I, I feel like you could be more excited. Ah! Oh. All right. I'd like to just mention uh, a thank you to everybody out there because we have passed 1,200 likes on Facebook and we are just thrilled with that number, James. I'm tickled pink. Tickled pink. <laughs> For all of you on our Facebook page wondering how James had a pocket uh, in our segment before the last Rob Jones interview when he was fully nude. We will answer uh, that in the upcoming listener questions episode. That'll be <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Let's do that. So, without further ado, James, let's get to this. Uh, let's get to this interview here. What, what do you say? <laughs> Sounds great, Paul. Let's get to it. Anyway, great on the lights uh, <laughs> approach. Uh, I did a lot more of that Tim and uh, Dorothy stuff at the time. That actually came out from reading an interview a while back where uh, someone mentioned that Jack did the Lollipop Guild song on stage. I can't remember what show it was. Oh, did he? Yeah. I was like, oh, you know what? Detroit's, uh, it's like the Tin Man. Tin Man represents, uh, you know, industrial workers. So uh, this is like a perfect symbol for uh, White Stripes in Detroit. Great. (laughs) I did that poster. And then uh, it resonated really well, so I just thought it would be fun to apply that to, uh, like, a travelogue of sorts through Canada. Because that was the, I think that was the really interesting thing, was that they made sure to visit every part of Canada. Yeah. And just celebrating every, and making sure then in the uh, packaging that you indeed do celebrate every part of Canada. I want to show some highlight from every province, every territory, and you'll give it a little spotlight. Yeah. And the Tin Man carries on into the other series as well like uh amazonian lights the uh box set comes with some prints of yours that had the tin man in brazil in the heart of the amazon and stuff i love that imagery and then even he even uses it in his solo career so you really found a very good iconic image for jack white as a songwriter to be able to use in his assorted projects i i can almost guarantee you that was probably already his like favorite I hear a beat. How sweet just to register emotion, jealousy, devotion, 
and really feel the part. I could stay young and chipper, and I'd lock it with a zipper if I only had a heart. The nominated art directors are Tom Lunt, Rob Severe, and Ken Shipley, Jeff Anderson and Vaughn Oliver, Daniel Rice and Klaus Wurman, King Yang Xiao, Rob Jones and Jack White III. And another very official looking envelope here. And the Grammy goes to Rob Jones and Jack White III for Under Great White Northern Lights. I won. That is awesome. Uh, it's honor being out there with Juan Oliver. Wow. Uh, I'd like to thank White Stripes and everyone else who helped me out. Mom, Dad, Cab Sensible, and, and God. There you go. Dude, I don't know. We've had, it's been like a lot of weird, weird coincidences sometimes. Um, things that uh, I think that's why uh, he's hired me for so long. I just happened to like strike on stuff that he's already like you know into or familiar with. I remember a long time ago I did a uh, tour pass that had the uh, reliquary of Saint Valentine had uh, some of his uh, finger bones in there, mm. and uh, the tour manager uh, <laughs> that I was uh, working through at the time said, "Yeah, showed this to Jack. He re- immediately recognized it." And I was like, "Oh, great!" And he was like, "He was surprised he knew what it was." I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> I'm into Saints Bones, man. <laughs> so how does that work? Does he send you an email or, or call you up and say, hey, I've got this project coming up, and do you get an advanced listen and then get inspired by the work? Or does he come to you with an idea and say, hey, do you have some sketches? Could you flesh this out? How does that? How does the initiation of the project usually begin with him? For what? For albums? I mean, for any project, does he come to you first and say, hey, um, here's this thing? Or here's this gig, you know, like, how does that work? Well, it's, it changes from project to project. Uh, say for an LP or something, uh, yeah, I've got, uh, it's, it's basically me trying to adapt uh, for the booklet or something. But uh, for the, like, covers and stuff, Jack's already figured everything out he wants to do. Like, so Frankie Thump, he's like, hey, pearly suits, like, all that kind of stuff. I had no idea. They just give me a selection of photographs and say, hey, make this look good as a cover. 
and that's what I did for Like Icky Thump. And then for the interiors, then I would go through and pitch uh, different ideas for for background images. And a lot of that was, of course, culled from uh, lyrics or uh, how the songs sound to me. an advanced listen then i guess uh for Icky, for not sometimes not for the whole album no i think for icky i only got to hear a few other tracks but i did get to hear that but i got all the lyrics ahead of time and uh oh, okay for icky it was um i used uh images of uh of grapes i just watched a documentary on cesar chavez and it was a scene of uh ronald reagan giving a press conference when he was uh, governor of california and uh cesar uh-huh. was leading a you know strike and Reagan's just eating all these grapes during the press conference. <laughs> it was such a jerk move. <laughs> uh, it stuck with me. It's like a weird power play or something. Like it's like Captain Kirk eating the apple in Wrath of Khan or something. I don't yeah. know. Weird. But uh, I'll, I'll pitch things. Uh, Jack will go, "Hey, this, 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 not so much this, or hey, that's great, or yeah, he'll pitch, say, hey, maybe uh, try something like this. So yeah, it's never really the same." I'll say it's been, as the jobs progressed, it got a lot less required back and forth as we learned, uh, as I learned, uh, you know, kind of stuff that he was into more. It seems like you guys have uh, have a rapport or must have, I mean, you've described a little bit of your commonalities, but there must be an element of rapport there for you to, to have worked together for so long. I mean, it's been a, over a decade now and the work just continues to be awesome and it, it actually continues to sort of build on itself. So it, it's interesting seeing your relationship develop in that way. I was curious about this rapport in general, because Jack does tell a story about how Machine Gun Silhouette came to be. Uh, this next song I want to play very haven't played too many times since I wrote it. And the reason I wrote it was as an artist in Texas uh, that I've been working with for a long time, whose name is Rob Jones, and he's done a lot of uh, artwork over the years uh, for me. And I, I asked him, can you uh, uh, think of something with this idea, some uh, dead crows, or if I say you know, there's a field of uh, a grass that's six feet tall, and uh, I want, you know, a philosopher to walk through it and, and uh, come across a, a chicken coop inside, and then what's he going to discover inside when there's yet another carnival even bigger than his own brain? Can you come up with that? <laughs> And he reads my mind, he does it before I even know it. So one time he wrote me a letter and um, a lot, a long, enough time had passed that um, I hadn't really uh, given a tribute to him um, uh, except for to say thank you whenever I could. So the biggest way I could say thank you was to write a song for him. And I knew that his, um, uh, his favorite, I think his favorite album is uh, the band The Damned, their second album called Machine Gun. Etiquette. So uh, I wrote this song called Machine Gun Silhouette for him as a thank you. And these are con- all the lyrics of this song are all sentences from uh, the letter that he wrote to me. One, two, three, four. 
from what it sounds like, that seemed like a uh, an email that you had sent to him. But from what it sounds like from you, it seems like that is not a daily occurrence or something. It's not like your pen pals. So what actually led to Machine Gun Silhouette's inception? What led to that email? What's your side of the story? Oh, uh, <laughs> it's pretty much what's in the email. There is this uh, taxidermy auction that happens in Dallas twice a year. Uh, near where I live in Austin, Texas. Taxidermy. And uh, okay. I uh, saw this, the Chestic uh, Peacock. Uh, it just means it's not quite an albino. Mm-hmm. Like, you know you see a white horse that's got black eyes and a black muzzle, but the rest of its body is completely white? That would be Luchestic as versus pure albino, which is no pigment at all. Huh. And uh, I was like, oh, hey. Uh, I Actually, no, I take it back. I knew I knew he was probably looking for a white peacock from uh, one of his managers. And I thought that would be something he'd be interested in. So I sent him a link to it. And then we uh, talked back and forth about that. And then he answered one of my questions. I can't remember what the question was in the email. I asked him something. Mm-hmm. And his reply was, hey, I had a short song from that last email. Check it out. And he sent me like a small snippet. <laughs> He still didn't answer the question. That's awesome. He still didn't answer the question. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's okay. That's awesome. But, uh, yeah, do, uh, sh- do you want me to uh, give you the contact info for this guy or what? <laughs> I wore a shirt one day with a machine gun silhouette sporting a rainbow clip. I had this gun guy staring at me, wondering where I got it, and he just about flipped over it. Machine Gun Silhouette with Rainbow Clip shirt. Yeah, you can get it. Uh, it's uh, Dan Styles uh, made it. Dan Styles, there we have it. Yeah, he's a gig poster artist. Uh, a bad thing happened. Uh, he got a huge uptick in orders on that shirt because I posted a link about it, and I was like, yes, this is the guy right here. That's the fella made the shirt. <laughs> and some other folks started just making ripoff shirts of the same idea, and he actually <sighs> trademarked and like sued these people. And won, but it cost him all the money he had made from the uptick in sales on the uh, Michigan Silhouette shirt. So it was a it was a bit, uh-huh. it was a bit of a pyrrhic victory, but uh, yeah, I think it's still still available from his site. Also, he has stickers as well. Going there now, <laughs> wow! And other stuff besides uh, besides machine guns with uh, rainbow uh, rainbow clips. Lots of great stuff on danstyles.com. Yeah, oh, man. Uh, that encapsulates everything that's sort of like frustrating about the art world right there and that one thing you're trying to do something nice and then other people want to come by and rip it off but that song is really awesome and i think that was one of the more interesting stories that he told under that live in alaska show and it just it built up the myth around you you know because that around me the the uh the lyrics to that are so poetic in a way yeah a little bit you know I, yeah they're poetic they're poetic as jack wrote them you know that that's not every that's not an everyday email you know <laughs> uh, that's just me talking weird <laughs> 
No, it's <laughs> it's a good story though. That, I thought that built it, it, no, but yeah, but it builds up the myth of uh, Jack. I'd say because he he took this lousy email and made a song about it. I mean, it's not everybody can do. I mean, it's, you've heard like that. Uh, oh, what's that song? Brian Wilson uh, song about it's like directions to how to get to his house. <laughs> no. Okay, it doesn't work. Is it a Beach Boys song or is it a Brian Wilson song? Uh, I believe it's a Beach Boys song, but I can't remember. My buddy played it for me one time. He's like, listen to this terrible thing. And I was like, ugh. <laughs> it's akin to that Johnny Carson show um, song he has. Ugh. Oh, it's Awful. Busy Doing Nothing. Is that the name of it? I think so. Take all the time you need. It's a lovely night. If you decide to come, you're gonna do it right. Drive for a couple miles. See a sign and turn left for a couple blocks Next is mine, you'll turn left on a little road It's a bumpy one, you'll see a white fence Move the gate and drive through on the left side Come right in and you'll find me in my house somewhere Keeping busy while I wait Yeah, he gives directions to his Bel Air house. The, the point is, I would say I would I'd be willing to bet Jack could turn out could could crank out a decent tune about directions to a Safeway <laughs> or a Piggly Wiggly, whatever you got in your neck of the woods. <laughs> so yeah, that's no, he's a he's a talented motherfucker. Now we for a split second, did it cross your mind? Maybe he owes me for this. <laughs> my, what do you mean? My intellectual problem. I know I I own. I, yeah, he gave me, dude. Yeah, he was quite generous. He gave me like a freaking half the uh, lyric writing credit. Oh shit! All right, I get like Whoa. I get royalty checks off that. <laughs> so play it on Spotify every moment you can. Hell yeah! I'll, I'll. You might help Bobby J wow. buy a pack of cigarettes. Uh, That's public record. It's on the back of the uh, record. It says uh, I. It was weird. I got uh, contacted by his manager saying, uh, "Hey, Jack." Uh, is giving you uh, half the the uh, lyrics uh, credit, and I was like, "Wow, really? Okay, I'll take that." Awesome. <laughs> and she's like, uh, "You need you need to pick out a publishing name." I was like, "Really? Oh, let me <laughs> let me give this some thought because last time I tried this, I wound up with AnimalRummy.com. <laughs> terrible name." <laughs> So uh, I, good Lord, I spent like two days and my big problem is, is I just got, I got a bad bug of just like, let me show you uh, how clever I am with uh, a reference that nobody gets. And, uh, oh, it was bad. And even when I landed on, it's still just terrible. I went through this whole like list with my wife. Uh, she checked everything off except for maybe six or seven things. I tried that out with uh, Tiff, uh, who was Jack's manager at the time. And I'm still very good friends with her. And I was like, Tiff, what do you, this, what do you think about that? She's like, I, they're, they're all bad, man. I don't know. So finally I just gave up and I called it. Uh, <laughs> just to show you how bad those were, this is, where I, this is what we all agreed on. I landed on Incatatus Music. Incatatus is the name of uh, Caligula's favorite horse that uh, he uh, made, was uh, going to make into a senator. Well, That's a deep cut. <laughs> Not if you're a Caligula fan. That's like yeah. a that's, that's name number one, dude. I'm more of a uh, wrote. Uh, I, I was more of a Caesar fan personally, but Caligula's Caesar's <laughs> got crap stories. That's uh, yeah, Caligula. That's where it's at. Uh, but no, I, uh, Incatatus raced for the uh, Leek Green uh, 
faction uh, in the uh, in the circus. Do you ever find yourself like writing particularly kooky emails after that? In the in the off chance Jack would pick another one of those. That's people. very interesting. You say that. Uh, I tried. My emails were pretty ordered after that because I was I was very. <laughs> I'm very, I'm, I'm always very, very leery of, of giving off the wrong appearance. So I was like, I don't want him thinking. I'm like trying to like, you know, do some singing telegram numbers around him every sure. time I write an email. <laughs> so yeah, I tried to uh, remove a lot of my uh, usual uh, idiom away. Wow. For a you, while. You downplayed the wit. Did not engage in goofy metaphors. I just didn't engage in metaphors as much. I mean... If you make enough Caligula references, I guarantee you he will make a song about it. He's that kind of guy. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I, I talk about Caligula quite a bit, actually. It's one of my favorite uh, pieces of uh, Roman history. Uh, Caligula, I'd say Claudius, then uh, Helio Galbus. No Nero? Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess. Okay, I'll put him next. How about that? Because he is. <laughs> I don't the, know. I like, Tiber- I like Tiberius, too. Tiberius, okay. you get Livia. You get, oh, you get that interplay. Because with Nero is the embodiment of a bad trip, but like in government form, it's pretty, it's pretty good. So I don't know. Nero's such a Nero's such a boring putz. He's just like this <laughs> uh, guy who reads you his journal. Ugh, <laughs> damn. I mean, uh, the thing about Nero is just how I know him as the Romulan commander, but that's about it. Well, yeah, be more impressed with how what he spent. That's that's about the only impressive thing to say about Nero, and that he managed to murder his mother. Uh, mm. After four attempts, or was it three attempts? I can't remember. Remember, he kept failing at it. Like yeah. he built a break apart <laughs> ship to kill her, and even that, she swam back to shore at like age sixty. He's like, "Are you kidding me? Really? <laughs> How many miles were that? That many miles?" And she swam. To, oh my god! That's I don't. Why you I know, love screw him. It. Just get a knife and just stab it in her. I don't. I don't care. I'm done being. I'm done being polite. He's a lovable oaf. Just let her know. He's. He is the George Costanza of the Roman Empire. It's so cozy. I'm ensconced in velvet. You know, if it was socially acceptable. I know you would drape yourself in velvet. That's that's Claudius. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Not that there's anything wrong with that. No, Nero's freaking Newman, dude. That's the Newman <laughs> of the uh, Roman Empire. Are you kidding me? Hello, Nero, you jerk. That's true. All the bacchanalias, uh, I guarantee you there was no broccoli in there. <laughs> Dude, he had a mile-long colonnade on the, uh, what is it called, Domos uh, Aureus. A mile long, a mile of columns around a little pool. Ugh. You are really... He had a rotating living room, dude. You are pulling out memories of all of my college classes. I almost took a, a minor in Roman history and... You are just like, uh, this is amazing. So, thank you.
Yeah, no, Suetonius is like my go-to book in my uh, my backpack. Ah. So, Troll Caesars. I've read that I don't know how many times. Uh, it's like the National Enquirer of the day for Roman history. Oh, you said Suetonius? Suetonius, yeah. Yeah, I have one of his many books, uh, or at least one of the books of many of his transcripts during, I can't remember the exact era, but... Uh, his stuff was was super interesting to read. I like him, and I like uh, reading some of Pliny the Elder's stuff, too, because that man comes up with some crazy medical concoctions for things that aren't medical problems. Yeah, if you haven't listened to uh, the, the podcast's uh, Sawbones, they talk about Pliny the Elder oh, an yeah, awful lot on that show. Do you listen to Hardcore History? No. Dan Carlin? Oh, my wife does. I, I haven't. Uh, I haven't delved there. You are missing the hell out. It's my favorite podcast of all time. No joke. It's here's how favorite a podcast it is of me. I have bothered with that crappy. Hey, man, uh, just click our Amazon link, and uh, every time you buy something on Amazon, we get we get a nickel. Come on, like, hey, you know what, man? If I can help you out by buying Judy Garland DVDs, here you go. Enjoy, Dan. But. Uh, <laughs> His bit on the uh, fall of the Roman Republic is so good, it made me actually give a crap about rereading and reading even more uh, about the uh, Republican era because I generally just skip and just go straight to the Geo-Claudian stuff. That's my favorite part. Uh But, God, he he paints just a great picture. I mean, that guy just really knows what he's doing. Uh, His – he has like a – God, I don't know, like a seven-part series on uh, the uh, war on the Eastern Front – that is fa- he opens up about just talk- walking along this snowy expanse, and you're realizing what's crushing under your feet isn't uh, snow, but just human bones from Russians and Germans just slaughtering each other. Remember, it's the biggest, the biggest losses, the biggest battles in human history, and uh, the stuff he, the stories he tells are just fascinating. Like every time you hear it, you wish there's like 50 movies huh. of everything he's talking about. His Genghis Khan series is incredible too. Huh. I will definitely check that out. I've been looking for more podcasts anyway. Yeah, anything he covers. Because my commute is an hour and a half, so I run out real quick, real fast. James, that was very enlightening, wouldn't you say? It was a doozy. I was so enlightened, as enlightened as the Romans were, uh, which we talked about (laughs) for a great deal of time. You know, I find, you know, sometimes when we're interviewing these people, uh, I learn new things about them. Very rarely do I learn something new about you. I had no idea that you had this big background in Roman history. I had no idea about that, James. And as I was listening to it, I felt like, God, I just don't know my own family. (laughs) Paul, I'm not even your brother. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I've always liked Rome, and I've always liked, uh, I've always been interested in Roman history, having a, a large background in learning art history rome is uh, is very important so mm-hmm. it's the the precursor to the renaissance and uh i appreciate that uh yeah interesting stuff and i'm i'm super delighted that that rob is such a roman history aficionado and uh yeah, yeah. a real seas head hmm. yeah he's <laughs> you think any roman went caesar i hardly ever knew her hey <laughs> <laughs> well, Jerry Lewis just died. It. I feel like his his uh, earlier incarnation. Yo, no, these aqueducts. Mm, ooh, the lead poisoning. You. You think he ever was like 
telling the police to catch somebody. He's like, seize her! And then then he just chuckles to himself. He's like, <laughs> uh, not me. James, this interstitial break is going great so far. That's great. I would like to say, though, uh, the when Rob was telling us the story about Jack giving him co-credit on Machine Gun Silhouette, that was really, really cool because I feel like he probably could have gotten away with just taking it, you know, if he wanted it. He probably could have just taken it. But I love the fact that he wanted to include Rob in it and and Rob had to go through all the rigmarole of publishing and pick a name and everything. Like, I thought that was really cool of Jack to do and actually added to my appreciation for the song because it made it feel more like a collaboration and a celebration rather than sort of like this lifting because this is not an unusual thing for musicians in general or Jack White of just taking something that was pre-existing and putting music to it and creating something new from it. In fact, we talked about that last week via the Citizen Kane debacle with the White Stripes. Yeah. Um, and um, with The Union the Forever. Uh, with The Union Forever. So, you know, it, not unusual for Jack to do this, although it's kind of poetic that The Union Forever is the thing that got Jack involved with Rob Jones and he pulled the same thing with Rob Jones to create a song together. Mm-hmm. And it's also funny to me because I think I asked Rob if he changed his writing style to possibly get some more songs yes. in. And yeah. I feel like I would have, I would have been way more self-conscious of my writing every time I wrote to him to be mm-hmm. like, I, I, see, I don't know how I would do it. Cause I feel like I may have tried to add some more words in, make it seem a little more grandiose, anything I was seeing. I would talk about everything, and I'd email him more often. Right. A little more (laughs) song-like. But but in fact, the opposite happened. So that, that I think, was one of the most eye-opening things to me about the interview. And I just had such a wonderful time talking to Rob. And we're just thrilled everybody's going to get the chance to to listen to the rest of this interview here, James. Yeah. And uh, Jack, if you're listening... I challenge you to write a song from one of his reworded trying to not make it sound like a song emails because if you're a guy who loves boundaries, that there's a boundary. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a mother of all boundaries. <laughs> well, uh, I think that's a fine challenge, James. And on that note, I think we're going to get back into this interview. All righty, let's get back to it. I did not know you were this much of a history buff, and it makes me like you and your artwork way more, too. Uh, I'm, uh, <laughs> no, it's, no, it's a lot of the. Uh, it's in a lot of the uh, posters. Yeah, I can. I mean, I get. I at this point, I can tell in hindsight. But wow. Well, let's talk a little bit about that. We, you've got uh, a lot of cool stuff uh, going on through your personal work uh, via Animal Rummy. Um, I was really excited to find out that you got a, a designer toy award nomination for the Gog uh, figure. Uh, congratulations on that. Oh, anyway. dude. I, um, whoa, whoa, whoa! We watched that live. Okay, or some like what do you call it? Uh, live stream BS, mm-hmm. and uh, just people are just—you can yeah. hear just the audience chatter, like throughout every announcement that's made on from the stage, and they call in some guy like, "Hey, and here's uh, Johnny Badass uh, from a couple years ago, coming on stage right now to announce the best uh, toy." What are the well, I was nominated for? Here we go. This guy comes out. He is like. Johnny off number one just starts going he's like ask I'm, I know what I'm doing hey everybody just lay off okay here we go uh, f- what's the first name alright Rob uh, Animal Rummy guy I don't even know who that is f- him next one and you're like wow really 
Really? Like I'm John Denver? Oh. And you're that off who sings, uh, did you ever see the most beautiful girl? <laughs> Charlie Rich, that off. Dude, he announced John Denver's uh, win as best new country performer of the year, okay? And he goes, and the winner is John Denver, and he uh-huh. sets the piece of paper on fire. The winner. Mr. John Denver. As poor John's walking up the freaking aisle like a schmuck. Ugh. Holy yeah, John Denver, you're not tough like me, the guy who's saying, hey, have you seen the most beautiful girl in the world? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, tattoo that on your arm. Spike. Ugh. Man, and I, th- and I thought the Eisners were rough. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, on the record, I love John Denver. That guy's got good stuff. He could have been a jerk off in his personal life, I admit, but... Yeah. He did wonderful work with the Muppets. He did! Dude, yeah. that's why I thought a top hat was cool. <laughs> I saw him in the Muppets, and with wearing a long scarf, I was like, man, if I could get a long scarf, long blonde hair, some Ben Franklin glasses, and a top hat, I'll rule the school. Here we go. And yeah, that didn't happen. You're telling me that Mark Bolin of T-Rex did not already get you interested in top hats? No. <laughs> I could have, dude, that guy, that guy didn't look like me. He, he looked cool already. John Denver looked like some guy who was like fooling everybody. I was like, this guy's got it on. He's totally making people think he's a pretty hip cat with his uh, Muppets cover, let me tell you. This guy's uh, got the style that uh, I need to snag. Dude, I used to go, I used to, I'm not, no joke, I used to walk around with a f- top hat. It was terrible. <laughs> I'd go see comedy shows, then I'll just get freaking Abe Lincoln references the entire time. Well, like I'm sorry, Sarah, your seat's up there in the balcony. <laughs> and I was like, oh, great. Zing. Oh, God. Oh, right. no. Oh, that's. Bazinga. That, ha- that happened to me at a Stephen Wright concert. Oof. Or a show. I like his glasses. His glasses are awesome. I can't really speak for the top hat personally uh, uh, for John Denver, although on the Muppets cover, pretty cool. But those those round glasses. Iconic, very good. Oh, I used to have them, dude. Right. I, re- I mean, thank God. I, once I started going bald, I couldn't wear them, dude, because it looks like I'm trying to cosplay Ben Franklin all the time. I might as well carry a kite behind me. So I had to <laughs> go into these uh, birth control glasses that I wear all the damn time. Are there any more plans for more for more figures from characters from your gig posters? I was gonna say, like, I think you could probably talk Jack into like making a whole series of these things of from like awesome gig posters you did from Jack and just doing sweet figures from those. Uh, what do you what do you think? Come on. I, I gotta pitch it. I'm pitching it right now. It's a pitch meeting. I would say or guess they've got a lot other stuff planned than to deal with that freaking Cirrus. Good God. <laughs> it took me dealing with uh, Dan from Unbox who's handling everything and still I would get so behind just making notes mm. on uh Sculpture revisions and stuff. Uh, it, that's why it took like a year and a half. It was just me being horrible about it. But uh, again, Dan from Unbox just made that, wow. not, got that thing knocked out of the park. Uh, he has been great to work with. So if there's ever anything else he wants to do, it's totally up to him. 
but I'm not. I'm also not going to like pitch. I'm not going to be like, "Hey, Dan, how about uh, we make this a uh, raconteur spaceship? We'll have individual lead <laughs> figures that goes." In. No, really, too much of a pain in the ass. Okay, fine. I don't want to be that guy. Was it a digital sculpt or was it a was it a physical sculpt? Digital sculpt. Okay. Uh, thank goodness, because uh, there's all sorts of just small bits and bats. I just keep going back and forth on. Yeah. Just to make sure all the patterns and stuff would align. Yeah. I just like to say, I would own the f*** out of a uh, vampiric Teddy Roosevelt bust statue based on that raconteur's poster you did. So I, that's all I'm saying. Like, I'd buy the shit out of that. So, hey, I, I'm just putting it out there. Actually, man. a Halloween mask of that would be great. Like a freaking uh, PVC uh, press mask, oh. you know? But it's just light coloring with the big vampire teeth. Yeah. It was actually supposed to be like uh, canine teeth. Awesome. It was supposed to be like he was like an animal. You know anything about TR and it? In his uh, presidency, I love the special, the uh, the Ken Burns one. I loved that the Roosevelts, and that's that's the most extensive I got into him. But uh, so you know about him losing his eyesight due to a boxing match in the White House. <laughs> he would host boxing matches, bare knuckled <laughs> boxing matches, and fight. He'd fight professionals, <laughs> and he got slugged and got lost sight of one of his eyes. He it screwed up his uh, rifle. Uh, his rifleman abilities, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that guy was a that guy was a oh crazy motherfucker. That's why he started to carry the big stick, is because he couldn't shoot anybody anymore. <laughs> that was to help him uh, get around, dude. <laughs> going uh, bad in the other eye. Yeah, this is see. But uh, yeah, that trip. What really got me was that him describing the trip through the Amazon or whatever, and um, all, like all the people that died and how close to death he was, and they're dragging his half dead corpse through the jungle, and his sons there with him. And the the life that man led was crazy. Yeah, it's it's fun to read about, but it's never a life I would ever go. Wow, I wish I could do that. No, God, I do not want to have fights in the White House. <laughs> Do not want to gallivant around San Juan Hill. Yeah. Look at Lord. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that was what that was about. What's next for Animal Run? What, what do you got coming up next? Anything you want to plug? Do you have anything you want to plug from Mondo? What, what, what's coming next from Rob Jones? I will be at MondoCon mm-hmm. this November. Check it out. Go to uh, MondoTees.com. And uh, hit on the uh, MondoCon uh, link, and it'll tell you all the uh, dates and who else is coming. There's going to be a lot of great names there. Uh, Drew Struzan will be there. Ooh, whoa, nice. I love Drew Struzan. Ollie Moss. Uh, maybe also there's some surprise guests. So I don't want to name somebody and find out later that they had not been announced yet. So I'll just keep mum on that. But uh, it's, it's a really great uh, roster this year, top to bottom. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun people there and good artwork. Wow. And I might and I might draw some stuff on uh, a speckle tone paper with yellow marker and black ink and try to try to make a couple of shekels. Cool. But yeah. Oh, and I'll have some uh, pins and uh, T-shirts. Drew Struzan, by the way, uh, quick tangent, is an alumni of my college. And uh, he was the go-to guy that every one of my professors would say, just draw like Drew. Just do this. Just Make this Indiana Jones poster. Uh, so he looms large in my education, um, for sure. Yeah, no. Uh, I love my favorite poster of his is uh, probably the Better Off Dead unused poster of them on the couch, just because I love that freaking movie so much. Does it ever feel like everyone's got more going than you do? You say the best skier in town just ran off with your girlfriend. 
even your younger brother does better than you do? And that nobody even cares? That broke up with me. Oh, that's nice. Well, you might be right. But remember one thing. I haven't even been to New York City. Nobody was ever... Better off dead. I believe he did the regular poster of John Cusack sitting on the bridge, but there's one of uh, him, David Ogden Steers, and uh, the other two, uh, the mom and the little brother, sitting on the couch all doing weird stuff. And he's got he's the sitting in a, over him. He's sitting in a laundry bag. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty good. Uh, perfect. Well, that's really cool. Uh, I'm happy to hear you, you got all that stuff going on. Anything, any, uh, any other projects coming up you want to plug? Uh, nothing I can think about. Uh, nope. There you go. Okay, then. <laughs> Lots Fair of enough. good stuff at Mondo. Check that stuff out. For folks out there, if you don't know, go to animalrummy.com. Oh, actually, wait. There is one thing. Uh, we got uh, a Mondo book. Ooh. We Actually, it's coming out. Uh, it's available uh, for pre-order on Amazon. And uh, it's a collection of a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, company favorites uh, from the beginning to, uh, from for you, to a few years ago. Awesome. Good, that's a good selection of stuff. Sweet. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah, so go out there. Uh, go to MondoTees.com. Pick that up. Uh, also, pick everything else up because everything Mondo does is amazing. The artwork is astounding. In fact, uh, it's so good that a neighbor of mine, two doors down, we're good friends. He has a movie room. Literally, the whole room is covered in Mondo posters that he has framed, uh, as well as his stairwell is covered in a series of Mondo posters of profiles assorted i think it's hero profiles one of them is mad max and stuff so it is amazing work so people out there mondotees.com check it out yeah it's um those are mike mitchell uh, portraits uh we uh should have some new stuff from him coming out soon too uh but god can't think of everything else it's just release schedule and stuff is uh, always kind of like bizarrely in flux for uh, mondo there's always weird stuff coming up and uh, weird stuff suddenly that's uh we got to shift around. I don't know. It's so it's kind of hard to. I don't want to say anything and then go. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. But uh, I promise uh, <laughs> we do have great stuff coming up. Good. We look forward to all that, and and we just we look forward to seeing more of your art as as well. And once there's some new projects from Jack, we hope to see your art as, uh, attached to that. And yeah, we just want to thank you again for for joining us on the show. This has been really really awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time, Rob. Uh, in, incredible to talk to you. All right. Well, uh, thank you very much for having me, and I'll uh, talk to you all soon. All right. Oh, thank you so much. Okay, back to the show. James, as I said last episode, I don't know why they keep saying yes to these interviews. Yeah. I'm happy they do. Got me. Um, yeah. Uh, we're terrible. Um, but this, this is, but it's been great. It's been really great. Uh, and we had such a blast talking to Rob, and I hope we get to do so again sometime. And, you know, Rob, if you're listening, thank you again for being on the show. We would love to have you back anytime you wanted. You were just a, a delight and um, just really interesting. Is very rarely we, I can just sort of, when I'm editing episodes, just l- sort of let it ride. Uh, but with you, we just sort of let it ride. <laughs> it was always... It was always very fascinating conversation. So it was awesome, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, Rob. Great talking to you. And um, like I said earlier, you're welcome back on the show anytime. Uh, and speaking of thank yous, James, oh, we have so many. Oh, there's many a thank you to give, Paul. 
Yes, we we have got new listeners to the show, and we would like to give shout-outs to them here and now. We have new listeners such as Johnny Misner. Thank you, Johnny. Mm -hmm. We have Danon Isla, or at Yogurt Fairy, which I think may be a yogurt bot. (laughs) I think Danon has unleashed its Jack White fans upon us. Perhaps. Uh, we have Evelyn Avilia, or Fake Tales of Eve, at Fake Tales of Eve, rather. And uh, we have uh, Carolina, or at Carol Fariku, which is uh, very nice. Thank you, Carolina. And then we have Roja, or Roja, or at Roja the Third, or Roja the Third, whichever that is. We have Mike Mitchell, or at Sir Mitchell. Before you get to Juice Newton, Paul, Mike Mitchell... I love your artwork. You do some great stuff. Uh, Mike Mitchell, Mondo artist. Hey. Hey now. Uh, he does hey. some amazing... <laughs> he's an all-star. Uh, he does some amazing <laughs> portrait work and poster work uh, and illustration for Mondo, uh, as well as his own illustration business. He is fantastic. Everybody go check out Mike Mitchell. Or Sir or at Sir Mitchell on Twitter. You can uh, tweet at him, tell him how much you like his stuff. And uh, then we go to Juice Newton here. We have at J Newton. Uh, Juice Newton wins the award for best Twitter, best name, really. Love you, Juice. Uh, yeah, and we have Chris Smith. Thank you, Chris. We have Ube Algunio Rain. Thank you, Ube. And uh, finally, Prince Wendell. Your Highness. Yes. James, uh, we have some uh, returning listeners to the show, our usuals, as you might say. Yes, our day-in, day-out followers who talk to us on Facebook and Twitter, and uh, they're, they're just generally fantastic people, Paul. We have Kate McCoy, the bones of the operation. We have Jeremy Riles keeping us on those rails. We've got my, oh, me, me, oh, my. Uh, we have Eileen Corsano. I see you over there. We've got Andre Ice Cold Lime Man. We've got Callie Durga, our third person in spirit, always. We have Rain Prosper, that red, red rain. We've got Adrian King, the punk rock queen. We've got Amy Hart, the heart of the operation. <laughs> Ah, we've got LOL 2.0. David Poe is over here. Poe, 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 Poe. We've got Eric Andrew Dotson over here. We've got S.A. Franco. What What does does that mean? mean? We've got Yvette Wilkins. Welcome to the group, Yvette. Yeah, Yvette, welcome to the group. Uh, We added you on here because you've been interacting with us so much. And we love you, and we think you're great, and we don't have a name for you yet, but... She's just Wilkin in here. No. Wilkin on sunshine. Nope. Well, close. (laughs) Christopher Wilkin. There's Yvette, just a Wilkins down the street. (laughs) S.A. Franco David Poe 2.0. Uh, James, if people would like to get in touch with us, they can go to Facebook. They can go to facebook.com slash thirdmen. You can go to Twitter at thirdmencast. You can go to Tumblr or tumble on down with us at thirdmenpodcast.tumblr.com. You could visit our WordPress page, thethirdmen.wordpress.com. You could send us an email, thirdmenpodcast at gmail.com. You could visit our speaker page. That's our iHeartRadio sort of landing zone for our where we host the podcast. That's Spreaker. And S P R E A K E R dot com, and you can search the third man on there. You can also search for us on YouTube and rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. 
That you can. And if you have any questions, you can uh, shoot them on over to us at our Facebook or Twitter or uh, our email. We will answer them in our continuing listener questions episodes. And as always, we'd like to thank Sam Kubert and Tom Valenti for the help with our theme song, We're the Third Men, as well as Susanna Roundtree for her lovely intros and outros to our program. Yes, indeed. And James, I think until next week from sunny Florida, I will be looking for a shaded home. And Paul, I'll be looking for the silhouette of that shaded home. <laughs> See you next time. Bye. Oh, for God's sake. For more information or to contact the show, visit thethirdmen.wordpress.com or email at thirdmenpodcast at gmail.com. Also visit at thirdmencast on Twitter and search The Third Men on Facebook. See you next time. Now, the big angry bear's about two furlongs behind the fat boring bear. And closing. Give you seven to five on big angry. Done. (laughs) Do you see him? No. I cannot tell you how unpleasant that was. (laughs) Oh, wow. Like, how much further is it? It's about two miles, Jana says the crow flies. Yeah, how far is it as the dog walks? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, wait a minute. You guys hear anything? In spirit, every week, Callie Durga. Sorry, I've changed positions here. My foot is asleep. And this... All right, so we're going to do a Rome one and a machine gun silhouette one? Sure. sure. Do we want to do two? Didn't we only do one last time? I haven't we listened to it yet. We did only do one last time. Okay. Do you want to do one this time again? Or it's up to yeah, you. we do one. We could do one this time. It's up to you. I don't know when we talked about what, so let's just do both. Let's just do Rome and Silhouette. Sounds good. This is ridiculous, dog. Here, I will slowly see if you can see. Oh. <laughs> James. Anyway. <laughs> what? No. Dude, here's the deal. When I was a kid, uh, she uh, and Goldie Hawn were the first uh, ladies I saw in uh, lingerie. So I was like, so kind of like programming in a, in a weird way. Yeah. music what the f- beer do you buy for dad's house this is <laughs> oh that's been there since he moved it in okay well I I'm bought... currently killing all of it <laughs> 
Well, I, I've had, I think, half of that six-pack since he moved in. <sighs> uh, the man-made machine by Kraftwerk? Huh? Kraftwerk's pretty good. Huh? Is it man-made machine or just man-machine? The man-machine by Kraftwerk? Huh? Look. Prince Wendy, or I'm sorry, Prince Wendell. <laughs> How if you had to put a pin in it, um, would you say this ostrich was more of an avocado ostrich or more of a cilantro ostrich? Sir, I can't say I understand your question. Did the ostrich feel like avocado tasted sort of like soap when it ate it, or would it would it prefer more of the taste of an avocado? <laughs> Sir, I'm afraid I still don't quite understand your question. James, if you had to put a pin in it, do you think Rob Jones would taste soap when he tried cilantro, or is he more of an avocado man? <laughs> I still, still don't know. I mean, it's not. There's nothing really to get. It's just sort of dumb. <laughs> but why the avocado? Well, I have to have, like, a frame of reference, don't I? I guess. Uh, and so, yeah, we're going to get to part two of that interview, and... Oh, man. Christ. Do this. Do this thing. Paul, let's do this for Juice Newton. Not very good. Uh, well, we'll work on it. uh, I can't be drinking before these things. James, I found this super cool cover of Machine Gun Silhouette by Wesley Moon. I gotta play it for you after the bloopers or whatever. Alrighty. Very good. Thank you so much. A pleasure. Pleasure with you too. Cheers. Alright, later. Alright. Ready for the next one? Silhouettes, 
But it seems like 